Thank you, worship team, for leading us. That was awesome. Great time um, worshiping. It's good to be back after having taken a break for a little while with spring break in, in our rearview mirror. It is good to be uh, rejoined together with our, our church family, with our ACF family here today. And so uh, if you're new, if you're joining us here for the first time, if you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. We're so glad you're here. If you don't have a home church while you're a student here on campus, uh, that's what we are. ACF is a local church on the campus of Penn State. It's a student-led church, a church for students led by students. And so uh, all the ministry that happens here in the life of our church is are, are led by your peers. And so... Um, so if, uh, if you are looking for a home church, we would love to have you join us and uh, link arm in arm with us. And so uh, glad you're here. Now, as, uh, as Lena had mentioned and, and uh, Gracie has mentioned, um, this is our, our only Sunday in March uh, because next Sunday we'll be away at our spring retreat. Um, and uh, if you are not plugged into a campus ministry, again, we'd love to have you come out and join us. It's, a, it's an incredible time to just get away and, and get plugged in deeper into community and deeper into the, into the heart of the Father. We'd love to have you come out to that. Um, if you are around next week and uh, you are looking for a place to worship, uh, we would love to invite you out to our sponsor church, the State College Alliance Church. We'll be having their 10.30 a.m. service, their usual time. They have a 9 o'clock service as well. They're located on Whitehall Road, and so it's about a 5 to 10-minute drive off campus. Uh, and uh, again, if you're around next week, find someone with a car, hop on over there. We'd love to have you worship uh, with our sponsored church there. But uh, the following week is Easter Sunday, and uh, man, I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a friend who doesn't know Jesus, who, who's far from God, who is maybe searching, asking spiritually related questions, we want to encourage you to invite them out to our Easter Sunday service. And this is going to be a time where we not only celebrate the resurrection, but talk about the significance of the resurrection in our lives, and talk about the significance of Jesus in our lives. And so we'd love to have you out for that. And so uh, with all of that said, that leaves us with this standalone Sunday here for the month of March. And I thought instead of starting a brand new series with a bunch of stop and goes along the way, I thought, why not just treat this as a standalone Sunday and talk about, talk about a topic that I'm faced with time and time again as I meet with so many students. So many of you have Talk to me about this personally as, as well, and, uh, and this goes for my wife as well. As, as Nicole has met with countless students, this particular topic and this issue has come up almost with every student that we've met with. In one shape or form or another, this has come up, and that is the topic of relationships, specifically dating relationships. And so we're calling today's talk, Swipe Right, Swipe Right. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the dating app Tinder, you know what this is in reference to. If you're not familiar with Tinder, don't get yourself familiarized. You don't need to. That's, it's not, it, it's, that's just not a good move. But nonetheless, we're just having a little bit of fun with this, calling this swipe rights. And the tagline that we're using is, there's a right way to date. Okay, and, and, and for those of you who are like, what do you mean there's a right way? Like, you're, you're trying to tell me there's a wrong way? I, well, if right and wrong rubs you the wrong way, let's just say there's a better way to date. And I think we can all recognize whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, there are some pretty bad ways to date. There are some pretty bad dating habits. And, and, and so we want to we wanna talk about what are the right ways to date and perhaps the better ways to date. And that's what we want to talk about here this morning. Now, Due to the nature of this topic, um, I thought 
I thought it'd be appropriate to have my wife come and co-teach this with me because, I mean, this is, it just seems appropriate that way. Um, and so, uh, by the way, before you applaud, l- let me just say this. Did you know that today is actually our 12-year wedding anniversary? So, I mean, I, how, how appropriate, right? I mean, the, the stars aligned and the Lord spoke, the writing was on the wall. Well, let's just, let's talk about dating, baby. Let's talk about this together. Now, it took some pulling teeth to get her to come up on stage with me. And so I'm going to need you to help me give a warm ACF welcome as we invite my lovely wife, Nicole, up to the stage. Let's hear it. Come on up, baby. Come on up. This is my lovely bride of 12 years. This is Nicole, and we have two kids, Jake and Luke, and uh, Jake is here because he's not feeling well, and our younger son, Luke, is um, he's over at our sponsor church at Sunday school, and so I'm happy to be teaching this with you, baby. Me too. No, yeah, you're not. No. You're not. So, <laughs> Let's be real. When not. this came up, Dan was like, hey, our anniversary falls on a Sunday. We should preach together. And I was like, that is literally the worst anniversary ever. Like there is nothing worse than getting me up here. You guys, I love all of you, but kind of, I hate you right now because Uh. I'm so scared. But anyway, like Dan said, we've been married today for 12 years. I was thinking a little while ago, I was probably getting my hair done right now. I don't know Mm -hmm. what you were doing, but, um, We've been together for 15 when you add in dating and being friends. And so for the last 15 years, we've gotten to know each other. And, um, you know, you guys see Dan like this every Sunday, right? Like tie, this little thing, whatever this is, this thing. I always see tiebar.com coming up on our Discover card. And so you guys see him. Gentlemen, invest in one. It's not that expensive. <laughs> you it guys ups see, your look. <laughs> you see him polished and put together. But I see him every day in his grow fits. You guys, he has a gray sweatshirt that he wears with gray sweatpants, that he wears with gray socks and gray slippers, and I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Every day. And so I see him with his grow fit, his bed head, his morning breath, and uh, I love him just the same. 12 years later. Um, But anyway, in the last 15 years, we've made a lot of mistakes. We've done a lot of things wrong, and we have learned a lot of lessons. But we've also done a lot of things right. And um, in the next few moments, we just want to share with you some of the things we've learned along the way, a couple principles that have helped us when we were dating and now that we're married. Um, So just a couple things I want to share with you before we start. The first is don't check out. If you are single, if you're dating, if things are complicated, whatever stage of life you're in, don't check out if you feel like dating doesn't apply to you. Um, So for the singles, I want to say equip yourself now. If you're single, Um, take this opportunity to know what you're looking for before you begin to look for it. And for couples, apply this stuff now. You don't have to wait till next week or next month. You can start doing the things that we're talking about today. And for those who are, it's complicated, I'm hoping that this might bring some clarity and help you to get to one side or the other. Just so we have like a sense for who's in the room, all our single brothers and sisters and just raise your hand real, no shame, no shame, no shame. All right. Now, hey, look around, look around, okay? And, and, and take this opportunity, all right? I'm just saying, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That is not what this is for. That's not what this, That's is, not for. What this That's is for. Not, that, is, that is not the goal of today. Uh, a couple other things we wanna mention is that we're not gonna answer every single question that you guys have. There's a million dating questions that we have been asked and we just can't do that in a 
in an hour time or an hour and a half or whatever we have here this morning. So if there are specific questions that you have, please feel free to come and ask us to get coffee. We have amazing sponsors that would be happy to meet with you. There are so many specific questions and a lot of times things aren't so black and white. And so when you have relationships and you have people, you're dealing with a lot of gray areas and things are, they change with people and with context. And so if you have a question that we don't answer, feel free to talk to us. And the last thing is um, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us how to date, right? I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is not a how-to guide to date. It would be awesome if it was. It would have helped us with a lot of our heartbreak early on. But um, we do believe that there are biblical principles that we can take from the Bible that you can apply in your relationships today. And so that is what we are hoping to do here. Um, okay, one last thing, seriously, and then we'll start. There is a guy, he's a pastor, his name is Andy Stanley, <clears throat> and um, he is an amazing pastor, he's an author, and the question that I get asked the most when I'm meeting with girls is, do you have a book you can recommend? What can, what can I read? I need something. Tell me, give me something. And I was thinking back, the last time I read a dating book was probably 2003, so you guys were like, I don't know, in kindergarten, and that's like ancient history, right? And so I don't know even what to say, and so I've been on the hunt for a really good book that we could recommend to you guys, and I found one. Has anyone not heard of Andy Stanley? Okay. Is anyone interested in a book on dating? Oh, I saw Belen. Belen, you're engaged. Belen. No, Belen's... <laughs> Belen's engaged. We have That's one... right. Hey, you you still date as a married couple. There's it's true. Dating is involved. It's true. Absolutely. Don't. Jess, oh, no, my girl. I saw you. You don't know who Andy Stanley is, right? Okay. I'm going to give you this copy of this book. This book, it's called New Rules for Come Love, up, Sex, Jess. and Dating. Come here, Jess. Come on up. You guys, this book is so good. It's really good. And it's like 11 bucks on Amazon. So be blessed, Jess. You're welcome. And uh, I got a chance to read almost all the way through it, and it's really good. So that is one thing we want to give straight off the bat. Okay, we're going to get into the first principle, you guys. So <clears throat> the first principle that we want to talk about today is actually an Andy Stanley principle, and it's become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. It's like a tongue twister, right? Become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. And Andy Stanley actually did, um, this book came out of a sermon series that he did on love, sex, and dating. And um, I was listening to the sermon, and I heard this, and I had to pause because I was like, wait, what? I don't understand what he's saying. It's confusing. And I felt like it was way too deep to understand in, like, a Sunday morning. And so I also felt like it's really double negative-ish. Does anyone else have problems with double negatives? I, like, can't think straight when I, <laughs> when I hear them. So anyway, I was super confused, and I want to just try to save you guys the time. Become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. What are we talking about here? We're saying that who you're becoming is actually more important than who you're dating or who you're looking for. The fact is so many of us are busy searching for someone special that we forget to become someone special. I know that we often think of like, if I, as long as I find the right person. Well, once I find the right guy, everything will be okay. Or once I find the right girl, It'll be great because I'm awesome and they're going to be awesome. And the truth is, if you're not awesome, you're not going to draw someone that's awesome. And so when we say becoming someone special, what do we mean? We mean someone who is maturing in Christ, someone who's developing emotionally and relationally, and someone who's growing spiritually. We need to stop searching for the right one and focus more on becoming the right one. Does that make sense to anybody? Does it resonate? 
Ladies, I want to talk to you girls for a minute. Um, <clears throat> when we were talking about this, this came up because um, I don't know if you know or not, but most men don't find it attractive when women are controlling or critical of every little thing that they do or clingy and constantly stuck to them. Um, men generally aren't drawn to women who gossip incessantly or who complain nonstop. It's true. It's true. And, and brothers, if I can just talk to you for a quick minute, okay? Um, listen, women don't find it attractive when guys are cooped up in the rooms all day playing video games. Can I just shoot straight with you? All right, for all you gamers out there, okay? I like myself the occasional good video game. And by that, he means Mario Kart. I know. Mario Kart. As Mario, Mario Kart, as you we guys We can say have it. a debate later. Mario or Mario. Okay, so remember, she's half Italian, so she, she's got yeah, street from cred. from New Jersey. And from, yeah. Okay, so anyway. I'm not sure how much weight that carries. But, um, so let me just say this. Guys, it's not a good look to go about your life clueless and directionless and aimless and, and, and insecure about who you are and all of these things, unsure about who you are. And so it, it's, it's not a good look and, and women just don't generally find that attractive. And so, and so keep if, that in mind. So here's the point, you guys. If you don't like the thought of being with someone like that, then make sure you're not becoming someone like that, right? Mm -hmm. The truth is in life, you will attract the kinds of people that you are. So, and it shows up in all areas of our life, right? In leadership, you attract the kind of followers that are like you. In friendships, you draw people who are most like you, who value the things that you value, who spend time similarly to the way you do. Um, in your career, you connect with people who do what you do. Um, you connect with the people who are most like you in your field and in your industry. And it's the same with dating, you guys. You attract the kinds of people who are most like you. And so if you keep attracting a certain kind of person that you are not attracted to, it might be time to look in the mirror and say, what is it about me that's attracting this type of person? Which is why this principle, becoming, become the person the person you're looking for is looking for, it's not even a dating principle. It's just a life principle. It has nothing to do with dating. And then it actually, though, it has everything to do with dating right because who we're, we're becoming is who we're going to attract. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I want to talk about, in light of this point, um, if, if who we're becoming is more important than the person we're dating, the question that we need to grapple with is what kind of person should I focus on becoming? What kind of person should I pay attention to in, in light of who I'm becoming? By the way, let me just say this. If you're trying to become a certain type of person for another person, you're missing the point entirely. Listen, you don't become a healthy person so that you can become a good catch. You become a healthy person because maturity and health is something that you intrinsically value for yourself and that you know you need for yourself, not so that you can get someone somewhere down the road. And so what kind of person should we become? And if I can submit to you, we suggest that we become a Matthew 6.33 kind of person. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, if you have your Bible, you can turn there now. Matthew 6.33. This is Jesus teaching on uh, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount that we come to know in church. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says these words in verse 33. He says, but seek first. Seek first. Not as an afterthought, not as a secondary piece, but seek first the kingdom of God and 
his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Above all else, we need to seek first, pursue first, chase after first, go after first the face of God and his kingdom above anything else in our lives. Jesus in this conversation, I want, you to, I want you to catch the scene. He's talking to a bunch of people, a massive crowd, and in the midst of this, he's essentially telling his listeners, hey, you don't need to worry about anything. You don't need to worry about God meaning God being able to meet your needs because God is able to meet all of your physical needs as he cares for the birds of the air and the grass of the field. God is able to care for all of your physical needs. Now, Friends, I happen to believe that God can not only meet our physical needs, but God can meet all of our needs. Amen? I mean, do you believe that here today? That God is able to truly meet all of our needs. That means he's able to meet our emotional needs and our relational needs. Listen, God knows that you and I have a deep need and a deep longing for things like companionship, things like intimacy, things like relationship. God knows all of that. What God doesn't want is for us to bypass him in pursuit of that special someone in hopes that that special someone would fill all of those deep longings and deep needs of our lives. God wants to be the one to fill those needs. In fact, if I can just say, I believe that God is the one that can only meet those needs. Uh, you know, I, I've touched upon this before, but when I was... Um, when I was in the dating scene and I was trying to, you know, find my, my girl, my woman, whatever, and I, 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 I immediately jumped into physical intimacy, uh, physical, you know, attraction. I, I immediately jumped into that because there was a deep longing for spiritual intimacy. You see, within each and every one of us, you've got to understand this. There is a deep spiritual longing even before there is a physical longing. We are spiritual beings before we are physical beings. God breathed his spirit into us. And so as spiritual beings, we have the spiritual longing and spiritual longings cannot be filled with physical satisfaction. As deep cries out to deep, as our spirit cries out to God's spirit, so God's spirit meets those needs. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 73. You don't have to turn there now. We'll put the text up here for you. Psalm 73, the, the, the writer says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? For some of you, this, is, this, this should be your dating mantra, not, not to, to, to say, God, whom have I in heaven but you? I'm done searching. I'm done trying to find the right, you know, Mr. Right or Mrs. Perfect. I'm done. Whom have I in heaven but you? The writer goes on and he says, there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but listen now. God is my strength. God is the strength of my heart. Not my bae, not my boo, but God. God is the strength of my heart. Listen, he says, and he is my portion forever. In other words, all of my needs are met in God. He is my portion forevermore. And so there's nothing on earth. There's absolutely nothing on earth that I desire. There's nothing on earth that I'm pursuing besides you. You see, that's how you become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. When we come to this place where we say, God, I, I, I am after you first and foremost. I seek first you and your kingdom for my life. Whom have I in heaven but you? Nothing on earth that I desire besides you. 
Become the person you're looking for, is looking for. If you want a healthy relationship, here's the principle. If you want a healthy relationship, get healthy. When you get healthy, you attract healthy people. Healthy people make healthy relationships. See that? I, I was never good at logic, like as a kid, like math problems. But this logic I can follow. I mean, are you with me? If you want a healthy relationship, get healthy. And when you get healthy, you're going to attract healthy people around you. I promise you this. This is the principle. Like Nicole said, it shows up all over the world, all over our lives. When you become healthy, you attract healthy people. And healthy people make healthy relationships. Become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. Let's move on. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down as the second principle for the day. Reset the dating culture. We need to reset the dating culture. You see, a lot of our views and our approaches to dating has been shaped by a variety of things. Uh, things like our friends, our roommates, Hollywood, the, the shows that we watch, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be Jim and Pam Halpert, right? Like that is, I mean, that, that is the story to, to, to strive for, man. Like, and so our, our surroundings, our upbringing, our families, those have all shaped and influenced how we approach the dating culture. Now, these factors are not all bad, but they're not all helpful either. And so what we're suggesting is a hard reset to the dating culture. You know, much like how we treat our technology, right? When something's not working, what do we do? We, we reboot and reset, right? Like uh, just unplug and replug. And, and so what we're saying is every once in a while, we need to hit the reset button on our perspectives. And in this case, we need to reset our perspective on the dating culture, on the dating culture. And I want to point out two specific areas. Nicole and I are going to point out two specific areas that probably need some shifting and some resetting in our minds. And Nicole's going to touch on the first one. So the first shift we need to make is from a love me perspective to a love Jesus perspective. From love me to love Jesus. In Matthew 22, Jesus could not have made it any clearer. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your minds. This is the great and first commandment. You see, the dating culture as we know it is all about loving each other. And loving each other feels really good. You get the butterflies and it's just, it's awesome. And oh my gosh, it's so good and it's new and it's fresh and it's, that's what it is. But in a dating relationship, when your focus is squarely on loving your partner and seeking to gain love from your partner, it's going to fall short. And so that's the love me dating culture. But in a love Jesus dating culture, that's where each person is focused on loving the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind. And that becomes the focus of each person. The culture of the relationship changes. Um, I know I've shared this in our Wednesday night ACF and with a couple of you girls, but when I was a sophomore in college, my best friend Julia and I, we made a list of the 13, or well, I came up with 13 qualities I wanted in a husband or needed in a husband. And we felt like we wanted to make this list. We were both single, and we wanted to make it without a guy in our mind. We didn't want to change our list for the person. And we just really felt like if we put it on paper and we thought about it and we prayed about it, we would be a little bit more intentional in who we spent our time with. Um, so by the end, I had 13 things. And the first one on my list was that I wanted to date or marry someone who loved Jesus more than he loved me. And um, that was a shift for me. There's like a bug flying around me. I know. Oh my gosh. Um, that was, I'm like. <laughs> that it's the Holy was... <laughs> Ghost, baby. Just go with it. 
Uh, that was a shift for me because in all of my, uh, I had two other boyfriends before that, and it was all about like how much love I could get from them. I wanted their time. I wanted their attention. I wanted their affection. And so when I realized this isn't working, it doesn't, it's not right. It's unbalanced. It doesn't feel the way I think it should feel. I felt like if I found someone who loved Jesus more than he loved me and loved Jesus most in his life, um, that would be a better choice. And why did I think that? The reason was, was because I knew that dating someone who loved Jesus most would mean that I would be getting the best version of him, the best version of that person. I'd be getting someone who was growing in grace, growing in spiritual leadership and godliness. And semi-selfishly, or maybe more than semi, I knew that a person who loved Jesus more would be a better boyfriend or a spouse than someone who loved me the most. Because dating someone who loves Jesus more than they love you will keep Jesus at the center and direct their decisions and their convictions. Not only do we suggest seeking, seek a person, find a person who loves Jesus most, but be that person. When both people put Jesus at the top of their priority list, that is so much more healthy than someone who is looking to get all of their love from the other person. It just, Dan, for as amazing as he is, he can never fulfill every need and desire and goal that I have in my life. And only Jesus can do that. And so it puts a lot, it takes a lot of pressure off of you too and me because we're not looking to each other to fill that spot. And I'll I'll also say, guys, this is, uh, if you guys remember a couple of uh, series ago, um, we were talking about how there is no one who knows you better than your maker, right? There, there is no one who knows you uh, better than your Father in heaven, and there is no one who loves you more on this planet, including your boyfriend, your girlfriend, my wife, uh, me as, as Nicole's husband. There is no one that would love you with a fiercer, more relenting love than Jesus. And so who better to learn to love your partner than from the great lover of your soul? Amen? I mean, so if both people are striving after making Jesus their soul heart's affection, some of that is going to begin to rub off on you, and you're going to be able to love your partner with a now, listen now, a Christ-like love. There ain't nothing like a Christ-like love. I can love Nicole with all of Dan's love, but it'll fall short because my love is limited. My love is conditional. But the agape love of God the unconditional love of God knows no end. It doesn't grow tired. It doesn't get disappointed by your failures and your shortcomings. And so when we squarely set our focus on, on loving Jesus and allowing Jesus to flood our lives with his love, we actually become better lovers for our partners. I'm not talking about like physical intimacy. I'm talking about like soul, heart loving and caring for each other. And so love me to love Jesus is an important shift that we need to make. Um, this is the second and the last uh, shift that we're going to uh, prescribe here. We can talk endlessly on some of these shifts. But the second shift we need to make is from truth avoidant to truth seeking. Truth avoidant to truth seeking. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, this can be a whole other sermon in and of itself on how to speak truth with love, because we like to, some of us like to speak the truth, but we like to speak it with a hammer, right? We, we, some, some of us, our touch isn't so soft, and so we need to learn to speak the truth in love. But I want to focus on this part of speaking the truth, speaking the truth. You know, part of resetting the dating culture is placing a high value on truth. 
I don't know if you know this, but the present dating culture tends to be truth avoidant. Truth avoidant. In fact, um, you see a lot of people jump ship when the truth of who they're really dating comes to the surface, right? You hear, you know, people say like, man, I, I didn't know she had so much baggage when we first started dating. Man, I, I'm out of this relationship. This, is, this ain't for me. Or, you know, some, some of you ladies, I, I, wish knew, I, I wish I knew this guy had so many dang issues before we started things. I'm out of here. You know, I'm dumping this guy. And so when, we, when the truth of who we are begins to surface, the present dating culture says, no, no, like, caution, beware, I am out of here. Now, you know this, facing the truth isn't always easy. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult and painful at times, but you have to have those hard conversations if you want to make this important shift. By the way, I'm not saying that when you're dating someone and you begin to see their true colors, that you need to stick through it. Now, what I'm saying, okay? I'm just saying that perhaps the real issue for some of us in the dating culture as it stands today is that we, are, we tend, generally tend to be truth avoidant than truth seeking or people who lean into truth. And so this is, a, this is something we need to grapple with and re- ask ourselves the question, is this person worth the hard work of sticking with the truth? Is this relationship worth the hard work of sticking with the truth? Because the truth of the matter is this, anything of value is worth the hard work. And so don't be so quick to take the easy way out just because the truth you're discovering hurts a little. Let me give you an example of it from my own life. So Nicole and I have placed this high value of truth at the center of our relationship. Um, very early on, we decided that we're going to value truth. We're going to value uh, truth for, for us and for our relationship because we don't want our relationship to be built on a false sense of who we are or some misconstrued versions of ourselves. And so we were going to, we, we, we kind of, you know, leaned into it really hard and said, we're going we're gonna to value truth and seek truth for ourselves. And so there were numerous occasions where we've had the opportunity to deal with our stuff. And for those of you numerous who know us... Numerous occasions? There's what? been a million occasions. Million occasions. There have been a million occasions. I mean, we, we, we would run out of paper if we were to give you all the examples of where this has shown up. But we, if, you, if you guys know us uh, and have spent any time with us, you would have heard us say, people, you got to deal with your stuff. We all have stuff. I don't know if you know this. And if you're like, it means stuff. You got issues. You got issues, okay? Some of your issues run deep. Some of you are so dysfunctional, you can't even see it. You can't see your dysfunctions, right? I was like that. I, and sometimes maybe, I, maybe I'm still like that. I, I don't know. I'm still a work in progress, right? We all have issues. We all have issues. Do yourself a favor and just recognize it and acknowledge the truth of these issues. And so, for example, it makes me cringe a little bit to share this part of, of my journey. But when we were dating, um, I, uh, I had major jealousy issues. Like, I know, like, today I'm, like, super secure and I'm, like, the man, right? Like, just whatever. But, but like, I was super, are you laughing because, like, you don't believe that? Or what, what do you, why are you laughing? Well, I'm a little confused now. I'm starting to feel insecure. Um, the, the, when, when we were dating, um, I had, I, for whatever reason, I was so insecure in our relationship. And Nicole was great. I mean, she, she, it wasn't anything that she was explicitly doing that made me feel jealous or envious or, you know, and, and maybe for, for you guys who are either in dating relationships or you've been in a dating relationship, you can relate like super, super jealous. In fact, anytime Nicole talked to a guy 
my internal sirens went blaring. I mean, it went, it went haywire and I would go on high alert. I would immediately become defensive and, and, and be on guard. And we would often get into fights because of this. We would often get into like, I'll be like, what's, what's wrong? Like, why? And I would withdraw. I would be, become combative. And I remember there was one particular guy who was known to um, greet girls with a kiss on their cheek, right? He would go around kissing girls on the cheek and as a form of way of greeting. And I hated when this guy came around Nicole. I hated it. I'm like, I, I, I'd be like, listen, hon, why has this guy got to always kiss you? Why can't he be like the rest of us dudes? Say hi. Like, just say Hello, why, why does he have to kiss you? Like, and it really got under my skin. Listen, a truth avoidant couple wouldn't have actually dealt with the real issues there. They would just stay, remain at that place of, man, I don't like that guy. He's a jerk. I don't know why he's got to always be all up in your space kissing you and whatnot. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. The only truth avoidant people would stay there and never j- address the root cause or the root issues. But on the other hand, because Nicole and I were truth seekers, we often found ourselves asking questions like, why does it get me so angry when so-and-so comes around to give you a kiss? Like, what is behind that? Why does it, why is it that I have such a hard time with Nicole talking with other guys? Like, what, what is underneath that that is causing these sirens to go off? Let, let me, let me say this. Um, uh, you know, oftentimes we, we, we talk about this in premarital counseling and we talk about this w- with different couples. You can never say that my partner makes me feel this way. My partner gets me so angry. My boyfriend, oh man, he drives me up the wall. My, 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 my girlfriend, like I can't stand this and that. Like your, your partner doesn't make you feel a certain thing. All that your partner does is help you expose and reveal what is already inside of you. So the things that are underneath your surface, your partner, and oftentimes the people that are closest to you are going to be the ones that bring it out the quickest. And bring it out the most, in the most volatile fashion. And so Nicole and I, in our, in our dating couple, we had to deal with this, uh, this issue of jealousy. Why is it that I have such a hard time with this? Why is it that I get so jealous? Why am I so insecure in this relationship? Now, when you begin to ask those deeper level questions, the answers may not come as quickly to you as you hope and wish. But if you keep digging a little bit further and keep at it and keep digging and keep digging, you'll eventually get to the bottom of things. And when you get to the bottom of things, that's when you actually grow. And that's when you actually mature. If you don't get to the bottom of things, guess what? That relationship might come and go. The next relationship you jump into, guess what? You're going to be dealing with the same crap over and over again. The same junk is going to keep coming up. That's why we say deal with your stuff now, don't wait until you're 20 years into your marriage. By that point, it might be too late. You're going to be hating each other at such a volatile level. It's going to be destructive. Deal with your stuff now. We all have stuff, and we need to be dealing with it. And so, again, Nicole and I decided real early on that we would always seek after the truth and never avoid it. And so we need to reset the dating culture so that it reflects kingdom culture. And a kingdom culture is one where we shift from love me to love Jesus. And it's where we are truth-seeking people as opposed to truth-avoidant people. Okay, so, so far, you guys, we have talked about becoming the person the person you're looking for is looking for, 
We've talked about resetting the dating culture, and now we have one last point. And this one might seem a little off track from where the first two have been, but we think it's equally as important, okay? Um, and that is to remember to have fun. Remember to have fun. Look at your neighbor and say, have fun. But not too much fun, all right? Yeah, Dan edited that last night. Okay, not too much look fun. at your neighbor and say, be silly. Be silly. There is something so good in laughing together. I know there's a couple married couples in the room, and laughing together is something that, like, Dan and I still do after 15 years. He thinks I'm, like, so funny. So it's, like, the best. <laughs> you like to think that, huh? I do like to think you that. You like to think that. That's okay. Um, you are. You are. But seriously, you guys, dating is supposed to be fun. Yes, it's supposed to, you know, we always say take God seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. The whole purpose of dating is to get to know someone better. It's to get to know yourself. It's to get to know the person. And it doesn't always have to be these hard conversations, these deep conversations. You know, actually, I think it's a red flag. We, there was one couple that we knew, and it was like from day one, it was so hard. Everything was so hard. Every day was a different thing. Every day was a hard conversation. Every day was an issue. And we looked at them and we said, you guys, it's not supposed to be this hard right now. There have been plenty of seasons that have been hard for us, but in the beginning, and even, and even now, we have so many seasons of laughter and light and joy, and that really is the mark of our relationship. And so if you know, just remember that. There are so many times that we take ourselves a little too seriously, right? And so remember to have fun. Um, and remember that it's a learning process. So enter into a relationship knowing that you're going to mess up. You're going to have to extend grace. You're going to have to receive grace. Um, but you're not always, and you're not going to get it right, and that's okay. Um, remember that dating is to get to know each other, like I said a couple seconds ago. Um, you know, the other thing is, we don't believe that you should, you have to know that the person you're dating is who you're going to marry right off the bat. We feel like that's the purpose of dating. And so we, we kind of always operated by one standard, though, when it came to marriage and dating and figuring it all out. If you know, if you look at the person across the table from you and you say, I would never marry this person, and you have reasons why, that's probably a person you shouldn't be dating. But if you look across the table and you're like, I could see it, maybe, possibly, I don't really know. That's great. That's the whole purpose of dating. That's the whole reason that you're doing it, to figure it out. And so I remember there were guy friends that I had, and I adored them, but I would never in a million years marry them. And so never in a million years would I have thought about dating them. Um, and by the way, another red flag is if someone comes to you and says, God told me we're getting married. Oh, Run. Totally. Run the totally. other way. Run the other way. Oh, okay? my gosh. Yes. God is going to tell both of you. He's not just going to tell one of you. Yeah. And so yeah. just that's a big, huge red flag. I forgot about that. Red flag. Um, I can name names. Let's not, though. <laughs> um, we, you know, we always say set marriage as the goal, but hold it loosely as you date. So in other words, you may not know for a while that the person you're dating is the person that you're going to marry, um, but it takes time to figure it out. And so while marriage might be the goal, hold it loosely. You know, that's the the beauty of dating is that you can get out of it. I'm kind of stuck with him, like, forever. And so there are days where I'm like, holy cow, I'm stuck with this guy forever. And I didn't, you know, when you're dating, and I'm just kidding, you guys, but I am stuck with him forever. But so in dating, you don't have that, you don't have that commitment yet. And so that's mm -hmm. the great thing is you can, you can decide, like, I, this isn't worth it. This isn't what I want to be doing. Um, and last but not least, 
uh, I feel like we need to say this. We weren't sure if we should say it, but I'm just going to say it because some people in here are Christians, and I feel like Christians have a tendency to put this last piece off to the side, but you have to be attracted to the person. You have to be physically attracted to them. You have to be attracted to their, uh, their spirit, their personality, because I think a lot of times we find these great people, and on paper, they look great, right? So on that list that I was telling you guys about, I had a lot of friends that met that list, a lot of guy friends that met that list, but I wasn't attracted to them, or there wasn't that connection, that connection that was just drawing us to each other. And so don't settle for anything less than all that God has for you. God has amazing things for each one of us, and I don't think that he is wanting us to settle for something just because someone has almost all of the qualities that we feel like we need. Um, and so we were saying, you know, a list can only take you so far, so make sure that, you know, you have that on your list because that was one of my things. I had 11 others. One was put Jesus first. One was I have to think you're hot. And then the other 11 were really good too. By the way, I met all 13, just saying. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he met all 13. That's it, man. That's it. Keep the applause going. It's okay. You could clap for that. Yeah. So, you could clap for that. So that's just great. don't sell yourself short by, by kind of pushing that off to the side because that's an important piece of relationship. Like I said, you're going to be stuck with the person forever, so you want to, you want to have that connection with them. That's good. That's good. Thanks, babe. Um, we're going to wrap this up. And so, in fact, the worship team, you guys can come on up, get yourself situated here. Um, and um, uh, <clears throat> as we close out, um, you know, we took a massive topic like dating relationships and tried to cram it in in a 30 to 40 minutes window, uh, which really you can't do justice to, you know. Um, again, like Nicole started off by saying, there's, there's probably a lot of questions that have still yet to be answered. And we, we recognize that. We're not, we, weren't, we weren't trying to answer every dating question under the sun. But, but again, please, if, you have, if you're wrestling with some things as it pertains to dating relationships or you're in a relationship, you're trying to figure out how to make it work or, you know, you're trying to find the one and all of these things and you're, you're coming up, you know, short and disappointed and all these things, please come and talk with us. We love to help you process it. And, uh, you know, uh, and a lot, frankly, a lot of what we're going to do uh, is less about giving you advice and, and asking questions um, and helping you try to discover really what's underneath, underneath uh, what God might be doing in your life. And so uh, we, love to, we love to process that one out with you. But as we close, I want to end with a time of reflection here. And uh, as Nicole and I were preparing for this talk, we were tempted to scrap the whole talk all but the first point because we felt like the first point was so absolutely critical. Friends, listen. If we miss the first point, forget about any good dating principles out there. Forget about reading any good dating books or dating, you know, manuals out there. If we don't get this one right, we're already behind the eight ball. Listen, God is more concerned about who you're becoming than who you're dating. It's true. God is far more concerned about who you're becoming than who you're dating. And so maybe today, the question is, I wonder who God has for me out there. Maybe that's not the question for you. Maybe the question for you is, I wonder who God is making me and developing me into today. How many of you know God is always in the business of working in our lives, amen? He is always working his character, his goodness, his attributes into the fabric of our lives every single day, dating or not. This is not a dating principle. He is always working in our lives. So the question for you is, 
What do you need God to do in your life today? What is God doing in your life? And where can you partner with him and say, yes, Lord. I receive the work you're doing in my life. I surrender this process. I surrender my life to you so that you can make me the kind of person that I need to be, not for someone else, but so that I can grow and mature for the glory of your name.